The countdown has begun. We're two hours away from the 2021 NFL Draft, and Raiders fans, we've got you covered for the next 120 minutes with our Las Vegas Raiders pre-draft special hosted by JT the Brick and Lincoln Kennedy, live from Raiders headquarters. JT with you as we get going. Yes, live from Raiders headquarters. And wow, do we have the A-team. I have nine Pro Bowls in front of me. The great Lincoln Kennedy and Eric Allen as we're in the brand new studios here at Raider Nation in Henderson, Nevada. Welcome to our pre-draft show for the next two hours. We can't tell you everything we got lined up because it's coming at us quick today. There are a lot of rumors to get to, and we'll get you all set for that 17th pick overall for the Raiders in the first round of the draft coming up a little bit later on in Cleveland. Eric and Lincoln, I'll start with you, Lincoln. Exciting times to be in this building. You go back as a Raider legend, back to Alameda, and now look at these brand-new digs in this broadcast center. This is definitely a treat. I mean, to be in the the studio inside the facility, the facility is immaculate. I haven't had a full tour due to COVID yet, but from what I've seen, it's definitely an improvement and glad to be here. Eric, good to be working with you again after a full year pre and post with you, and we had a lot of fun. But now hoping that the stadium opens up, it'll be a full house, and we'll get a chance to work together in front of 65,000 rabid fans in the Raider Nation. Oh, 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 for sure, JT. And when we talk about hope, that's what this day is all about, JT. It's all about hope uh, for these young men who are going to get the opportunity of a lifetime and for these football teams. Uh, every every team after the end of the day thinks they have their shutdown corner or their uh, franchise quarterback or their great uh, pass rusher or their tackle, I guess we could talk about. Whoa. But, <laughs> but, you know, on that point, EA, it, it, and JT, you know what's fascinating, especially about the NFL draft? Every year, the draft gives its fan base, the, the team's fan base, hope. Absolutely. Because just like EA was talking about, they're expecting to make that immediate improvement. And if you were poor, you had a, a poor record and you find yourself in the top five, top, you're, you, you, you're looking for an impact player right away. In the top ten. So there are a lot of good young men that are going to be available in this here draft, and uh, and we'll see how the team improves. Well, there's no bigger name in the NFL than the reigning MVP, Aaron Rodgers, and that's the breaking news today. Adam Schefter broke the story. Aaron Rodgers does not want to return to the Packers. That's been confirmed. Jay Glazer, two hours ago, Aaron told the Packers he does not want to return, as Adam Schefter reported And I think it's more of a contract deal. It's more than a contract deal. I think he's pretty strongly convicted that he doesn't want to go back to the Packers. Lincoln, I would ask you this. How does this break the day of the draft a couple of hours before the draft with the reigning MVP? You know, not only does your fan base get hope, but it almost every year the draft seems to play out like a Tom Clancy novel to me. There's so much father and spread being thrown around. And, and, and you know, whether it's clandestine, what a team is going to do or how they're going to react, you these stars now these days, EA, seem to have more and more leverage and want to use it. And what bigger leverage in the, in the National Football League or what bigger player there is image-wise than your quarterback? Yeah, for, for sure. And I think this has a lot to do with the times we're living in now, the history of what this league has been about. When we start talking about the great quarterbacks of Joe Montana and, and Brett Favre not ending on their original teams, uh, you see in situations Tom Brady last year was able to leave New England, go to Tampa, win a championship. And I think right now – Aaron feels like he has the most leverage he's ever going to have. Last year they drafted a quarterback, so they kind of started to open the door a little bit. And I think he is just saying, hey, listen, I have a lot of leverage here. 
and I think I can move myself and my assets, go to a different place, and be successful. And, hey, let's deal with it. Well, it's, I think it's the NBA effect, too. I yes. really do. The NBA Agreed. has had the individual player in the NBA has had more power. But, Lincoln, you were talking off the air about this, of the power of the quarterback now, right. as you were just saying. And what, what's confusing is he's leaving a team that hosted the NFC championship right. game if he leaves. And that's a pretty good team. They're yeah. going to have a good draft, and they're supposed to get him some weapons here. And Tom Brady's another year older. The 49ers seem to be the front runner. The Niners have been on the phone reportedly to try to get this deal done. And I want to begin, too, with the Niners. They've been so dramatic right. over the last six weeks. Right. Well, they've trade up to number three. Then they're, uh, they're a lock for Mac Jones. Right. And now Trey Lance blows them away. Why do you believe the Niners have been so dramatic? They got the third pick. They know Trevor Lawrence is going one. What's this poker game smokescreen all about? Well, they've been trying to throw shade on what they're going to do. Look, it's obvious that they're going to go after a quarterback one way or the other. They're not happy with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that's a fair assessment that we kind of all agree on. Now you have the reigning MVP possibly available in the open market. Possibly. So, you, of course, you got to throw your hat into the ring. You need a quarterback. You've got the third pick. If you're not blown away, now let's also talk about the option. Do you take a rookie, untested on the National Football League level, coming out in the draft, no matter how high he's projected or how good he's supposed to be, or do you take a guy who's been in the league for a while? Quarterbacks are playing longer. So it's not like he, he, yeah. you sit there, you kick the tires, well, he's only got a couple years. Left. Quarterbacks are playing longer. And it's more than obvious, like you said, the NBA effect. If you're able to make this move, say, to California, from Green Bay to San Francisco, you're able to position yourself not only when you want to start in Jeopardy, but I've heard he's got offers to do TV, you know, commentary and stuff like that. So you're positioning yourself for a better future in, in, in a way where you're getting away from a town that – and it's not like the team doesn't want them. It's, right. what's, what's, what's strange to me, EA, is that he went through this exact same situation with Brett Favre. It's a business move. And so Aaron Rodgers is looking at it as a business. He's going to take his leverage, why he has it. You've got teams out there who need a quarterback. You mentioned one of them. The Jets, the Jaguars, the Bears, Broncos, all these teams could possibly be landing spots if the deal was made right. And he doesn't have any guaranteed money on his contract this year, right? And from what I've heard, so he's got the leverage. Yeah, and, and, and the deal gets better if they wait until June. So they don't have to do the deal tonight, EA. But the point is, this is the day to make the move. If you're going to move Aaron Rodgers, and I can imagine what's going on. I heard a source say the Jets still at number two. There's a rumor about Russell Wilson potentially to the Jets. There's a lot of chaos going on right now. But if... Rodgers wins this leverage battle. Let's just say for a conversation, he's ready to go and he's not going to be a Packer again. Do you make the move tonight if you're the Packers because you know you could get the number three pick or the number two pick and say, hey, we can't put this back together and it's go time. We can do a blockbuster deal tonight. Uh, from a football standpoint, the Packers don't want to do this because the person you're going to get back is not going to be Aaron Rodgers. Correct. Not going to give the opportunity for your football team to be in NFC championships and possible Super Bowl participants. You're not going to get that back no matter who you're going to get. Aaron Rodgers, on the other hand, his winning and his football aspect is he thinks he can go to another team like the 49ers who are built to win right now. We're in a different age right now. The, the league is always changing. But the biggest change has been there's no room for waiting to win. You have to win right now. And that's what is uh, just speeding this process along. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles spent so much capital on their supposed franchise quarterback in Carson Wentz, they didn't get along for – five, six games, and now he's playing for a 
you know, contending football team yeah. in Indianapolis. And so Aaron Rodgers, I'm pretty sure, sees those things. He sees Tom Brady leave this great franchise where he went to eight, nine Super Bowls and goes to Tampa. He sees Carson Wentz get to a better situation as far as football aspect. I'm just talking about football right now. I'm just talking about the end of the year. Where do you want to be? Do you want to be in a situation where you're hosting the Super Bowl trophy, getting the Gatorade poured on you? That's where you want to be as a football player. And right now, with all the moves that this Green Bay Packers organization has done, they've had 29 years of top-notch quarterback play. And in those 29 years, they've won two Super Bowls. That's it. They've won two Super Bowls in 29 years of top-notch quarterback in play. And I just think he sees the writing on the wall, that they're not going to change their aspect of, of how they approach football. Let's get the elephant in the room out of the room. Okay, Derek Carr. So Derek Carr is financially Lincoln-friendly to this organization now. Right. The organization doesn't know much, doesn't owe him much. You're talking about Russell Wilson, right. who picked the Raiders right. as a landing spot. Right. Now Aaron Rodgers is available. I'm a Carr guy. Right. Carr is going to be in the fourth year with the Gruden system. And there's been a lot less chatter this year. But again, there's a guy in this building named John Gruden, and all they're talking about tonight is the quarterbacks. There could be five quarterbacks taken in the first ten picks, along with Jimmy Garoppolo getting moved and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, it's something that you have to address. But because, from what I've heard and what I've read throughout this offseason, they weren't active in the chatter as active in the chatter about quarterbacks and position and everything else and what's up, the potential, when Russell Wilson named the Raiders, but they they said they made a play or whatever was too expensive from what what I heard. you got to have it at least in your mind because we're not talking about run-of-the-mill quarterbacks. Right. And we've seen both of these quarterbacks that you mentioned, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, do what? Use their legs to extend plays and pretty damn smart at it. So you've got you've got and, and you know how John Gruden will like that to part of his offense. He he would he asked Derek to run in the times and Derek doesn't want to get hurt. So it's understandable. He's not made that way. So we get all that, but you cannot escape the fact that you've got potentially the NFL MVP, current NFL MVP who's ready on draft day, completely and, healthy, and, coming and completely the healthy, and you and, the, and the, they don't pick until the 29th pick. Green Bay doesn't have a pick to the 29th pick. And they have their quarterback of the future. They picked According him last to them, year. Yeah. According yeah. to them. So you have to listen. For the rest of the five, you know, the top guys coming out, I, listen, they're not going to be Derek Carr. I, I don't care. We could talk about Tre- Trevor and Trey and all those guys. Hopefully they're great pros. But if any one of those guys can turn out to be Justin Herbert, that's awesome, right? But a lot of them are not. We know that. We know what Derek Carr can do. We know the system and how demanding – John Gruden's system is. But if Aaron Rodgers wants, you have to listen. You have to listen. <laughs> you, you, can't, you just can't close that situation off. You, you have to listen. Well, it's a real story. It's the number one trending story heading into the draft. Also, the Saints, Mickey Loomis, they've been talking about trading up, moving up from 28 into the top 10. That story was broken today also by ESPN. So let's stay with the quarterbacks because for the last six weeks on radio, that's all I've been talking about. Every analyst I've had on, and you just mentioned it, EA, and I'll start with you, Lincoln. It comes down to the Niners at three. Yes. Mac Jones, who doesn't seem to have the ceiling but can fit the system better for the 49ers, or Trey Lance, who just looks like a quarterback statue coming yeah. out, has every intangible, can run, can throw, 
can flick the ball 60 yards. He's coming on strong, and I can't believe Zach Wilson. I had Charlie Weiss on my show, four-time Super Bowl champ, and he said, JT, I don't get it, but everybody sold on him. So these quarterbacks behind Trevor Lawrence, there's a frenzy to get them. Do you buy into these guys? Well, look, you— we knew going into this year's draft that the quarterback position there were a lot of teams that needed quarterback help and in desperation. You saw the debacle that happened in Dallas, the way they blundered until they finally signed Dak Prescott to, to that, that money. And you've also seen how Chicago has struggled over the last couple of years, how Denver couldn't seem to get it right. You know, you knew that once the Jets traded away Sam Darnold that they were likely going to take a quarterback. I agree with your point wholeheartedly. It depends on what the 49ers do at number three. Because I tell you, if they take a chance or they take a, they, they take a guy, let's say like a, a Trey Lance, okay, let's say that they, they take him. You're going to have – now you've got a bunch of other teams that want to get up and get one, one or two of those available quarterbacks – because they're, they're projected to be franchise guys. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So depending on what the 49ers do at number three, there's a definite backlash. or not, no, A little bit of a snowball effect is better said, EA, on how everyone else can jump up a position. You, New England's sitting at 15, but they won't necessarily be there for long if they see a guy that they want and want a part of their system, right? Yeah. It, the eval is, is what is fueling all this. The evaluation and then, the like we talked about the other day, it's like I'm going to evaluate a player – but if I don't want that player uh, to be there with another team, I'm going to throw some shade out on him. I'm going to do whatever I can. Absolutely. We both had those situations mm-hmm. on draft day. Mm-hmm. You know, mine was a team that wanted me and, and didn't think I was going to drop. Start a rumor. I, you know, I'm on campus at ASU, and I'm going to the medical department getting a biopsy uh, because it, they thought I had Hopkins disease. So, again, I mean, you there's wow. just so many things going on around these last couple weeks of draft day because the evaluation process is so important for these football teams, particularly when you're talking about a quarterback who is going to be, you know, put in that situation where he's going to be leader of your football team right. automatically. Right. doesn't matter what his history is. He's going to be the face of your franchise. Here's what I don't understand. Lamar Jackson was taken with the last pick of the first round. Right. Patrick Mahomes was the 10th pick. Ben Roethlisberger, the same. You move back. These quarterbacks are not as good as Ben Roethlisberger, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson. I don't see it other than Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence is a generational talent. Everybody's panicking to get their quarterback tonight because they're looking EA next year and they don't see the quarterback. And they know the kid's in high school. And they know the kids are going to be two- or three-year players. They have the list in front of them, and they don't see them. And that brings me to the Raiders again. Derek Carr is cap-friendly. I hope he's here for as long as he wants and retires a Raider. But it doesn't seem like we're going to see another batch of quarterbacks coming out like we're going to see in the next couple of hours here. They're going to go quick. Teams are going to be panicking. General managers are going to get fired, and their destinies are going to be decided. And especially up north, I believe, with what's going on with John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. Something's wrong because they're bringing too much drama on themselves. They don't need to do that. They got Garoppolo. They got the third pick. They want someone. But, Lincoln, something's going on in that building where I think it's divided on Trey Lance probably, obviously, Justin Fields, and it looks like they're going with Mac Jones, and I think it's going to define the 49ers for a decade. they got to get this well, right. I, well, I, I say this. With the 49ers' current system in place, I think Mac Jones is a better fit. Right. Every, yeah, great point. Okay? I think he's a better fit for them. However, you still have that ability to where if you're John Lynch, and we've seen him use you know trades and stuff like that to build collateral up in the draft to get their guys, if they're not sold on it, 
you know, that indecisiveness has to come, has to be, you know, settled yeah. one way or the other. That's why I said it, it depends on where they go. If it's a foregone conclusion that Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson are going to go one and two, even if the Jets find a way to blow it, if the Jets make a play, they say they, they trade the pick to get Aaron Rodgers, then you have the, the, the Green Bay Packers, who are they going to take at number two? Do they go with Penny Sewell? Do they go, you know what I'm saying? This all depends on where the 49ers go and what happens. And all this stuff that's being thrown around by the quarterback position with these five quarterbacks potentially can go on in the first round adds to the fuel to the fire. Yeah, yeah. Fuel to the fire. So the, your point about Derek Carr and the future of this team, do we wait and see what we have or what's going to be available in free agency? If you're John Gruden and Mike Mayock, do you make a move right now? You don't make a move at 17. They've got other needs. Yeah. They've got other needs that they have to address. So you yeah. don't make a move at 17. But projecting forward, where do you go? Do you think maybe you know, eventually you might be able to get a Russell Wilson? Get him to trade out of Seattle? Well, the best quarterback of all of them could be Deshaun Watson. Talk Minus about the legal trouble. Talk troubles, about right? with yeah. the legal issues that he has there. We spent the last two months talking about him, and then boom, it went radio silent. Right. About a week ago, as Rusty Harden and his attorney are trying to figure this out, Eric Allen, Lincoln Kennedy, JT, our pre draft show brought to you by Benello, brewed with the highest quality ingredients for a taste that's pure gold, Modelo. Root for those with a fighting spirit. So we're going to get heavy into the Raiders. Vinny Bonsignor at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Eric's going to take us behind the scenes, his conversation with Gus Bradley, which is at Raiders.com, which was tremendous. And before we come back, I want to get into the mindset of Mike Mayock. Lincoln, you heard that press conference. You guys talked about it on TV. He kept talking about medicals, medicals, medicals. He's not seeing the medicals here, not able to travel. They got to nail this pick. They got to nail this pick at 17. And I think the pressure on 17, a year ago, we were waiting on the pick. It was Henry Ruggs over CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy. We know what we have with mm-hmm. Ruggs going forward. But as we get into the show for the next hour and a half, it's going to come down to right tackle mm-hmm. or someone on the defensive mm-hmm. side. And Mike Mayock's got to nail this pick with John Gruden. What are you sensing? Uh, I, I sense they go defense with the first pick. I, you know, you say the 17th overall pick is important. I agree with you. But I'm going to extend it. I think the first three picks are important because they have to get them right. These have got to be impact players that you can move on the field right now to help get your team forward. With the 17th game, there's no more 500. So you can't sit there and say, blame it on the defense or we ain't got this, we got it. You now have to have all your weapons. You bring in Gus Bradley. You go after all these defensive tackles. You go after defensive ends. You do all these free agent signings to bolster your veteran part in depth. You have got to make a play because the Kansas City Chiefs aren't going anywhere. Chargers are getting better. Eventually, the Broncos are going to figure it out. And this division is going to be chaotic as it was the NFC East back in the day when they were just yeah. beating up on each other. <laughs> yeah. So when you might have a, a, a division winner who's 9-7. and seven. You see what I'm saying? So you got to win and got to win right now. That's why these three points are important. Uh, three picks are important to me. Critically important. And plus – with the lack of production you had last year from your picks because of the situation, you can't come to camp, injuries. So this has to be an explosive year for these two young classes immediately. Mm-hmm. You, you can't have situations where you're not having great, great con- contributions from these players. 
and it has to be you hit the ground running. These guys have to be plug and play. And again, I think you did a really fine job of bringing a defensive coordinator over who has been successful, who's developed players, who has a history of taking teams and defensively uh, from you know the mid twenties to up in the top ten. Uh, you have players who have been productive on other football teams who have been able to rush the passer. You need to get those sack totals up. But number one, you need to make sure you're a type of defense at the end of the year next year who's upwards of 20-plus interceptions and upwards of 30 sacks a year and your t- defense is in the top 10. That's what type of performance you need to have to be a playoff-caliber football team going into 2021. Can I just add something yeah. real quick? Use the key word during that time said develop. I think developing players is going out the window with uh, right now with COVID and the way they're practicing, and what we we don't know what how things are going to work after po- when we're still in the pandemic, but after things open back up, if these guys can't play to practice together, it's like us doing shows from different rooms. How do yeah. you mess that chemistry? How do you develop? How as a coach do you develop somebody over a screen? EA, take your step. Okay, then take another step. Okay, once you take that step, I'm going to be you. It's yeah. almost impossible. That is an outstanding point. And the thing I want to add to that is when you're talking about being able to develop, so now you lean on your, your scouting department hasn't been able to get on the road. Right. I haven't been able to have my scout that I trust on the road giving me eyesight experience. So now in the draft process, and this is something you alluded to, JT, is when you draft a guy, are you going to draft a guy that you haven't seen who maybe have opted out? Or are you going to draft a guy, and we had this on our show the other day, talking about the bigger schools? That's where Coaches you trust. Right. That you can get on the phone and say, hey, you know what, in this technique I saw on film, he was here. Why did he do that? Well, the first big curveball of the day was Tim Tebow to the Jaguars working out to play tight end. So I thought that was going to be it. That was the, then Aaron Rodgers wants out of the Packers. Right. The third biggest surprise today is Lincoln Kennedy in the open going defense. Oh, wow. Yes. Yes. I, I went through all my notes. That's my right. notes were right tackle, the big guy first, 17th pick, baby. Oh. You got, you, look, oh. you, you got so much stuff off of these quarterbacks and everything okay. else. These guys are going to fall. Somebody's going to fall in our hands, and right. I know they got to get it done. When we come back, Eric Allen will tell us about Gus Bradley's new system and why it will work. Plus, Vinny Bonsignor will join us from the Las Vegas Review-Journal with all the rumors up today, what he's hearing This is the Raiders pre-draft show inside the facility in Henderson. We're thrilled to be here. Along with Eric Allen, Lincoln Kennedy, I'm JT. Raiders.com with all your information today and LVSportsNetwork.com on Raider Nation Radio. The Raiders pre-draft special continues with JT the Brick and Lincoln Kennedy, live from Raiders headquarters. Hopefully it's a team that when we're all done, you know, that it is a fast, physical team that gets the ball out, that's aggressive on the perimeters. You know, that type of mindset, that's an effort-based defense. You know, and I think if that's when someone comes into our building, our stadium, and that's the way they're talking about us, Uh then you know we're, we're starting to head in the right direction. 
JT back with you along with Lincoln Kennedy and Eric Allen. This is the Raiders pre-draft show. We're on till 5 o'clock on Raider Nation Radio. We'll also be streaming video at 4.30. Go to Raiders.com for that. We're excited to be in the facility on this historic night, the first draft broadcast from Henderson at the Intermountain Health Center. We're excited about that and the opportunity to kind of preview this pick at 17 and see the direction the Raiders go. And Eric Allen, the six-time Pro Bowler, semifinalist for the Hall of Fame this past year, you sat down with Gus Bradley. That was a very important interview for me and my show and the listeners because you were able to dive in as a defensive mind with a defensive coach about why this new scheme must work and how it could advance the players who are still here at EA, who might be on the fence? Uh, for sure. Uh, it was a pleasure sitting down with Gus. Uh, Gus is uh, one, of the, one of the better defensive coordinators in the National Football League. He has a way of going about things, and I think one of his key signature points for him is getting the ball. And I think that's the one thing that when you start to talk about Gus Bradley and what motivates him is he wants a fast and physical defense, but he wants the ball. And I think that's one point that this team needs emphasis on. Uh, he's done an outstanding job of really relating to the players wherever he's been. Uh, he has guys who are willing to sacrifice maybe their numbers to make sure at the end of the day, right, this defense is, is the kind of defense that uh, is, is quality and making outstanding plays. And he wants to really define the roles of the players. So when you come in, so, so you have Unique Nguakwe. He comes in. He's going to get after the passer. He's, got, he's not going to be dropping in zone. He's going to be getting after the quarterback. That's going to be his role. Uh, so when you have a safety like Jonathan R. Abram, he wants Jonathan Abram in the middle of the football field using all that athleticism, running sideline to sideline, not having to line guys up in the, in the deep post area. So he's going to define your roles, allow you to play faster, and those are the things you consistently see in Gus Bradley's defense. Lincoln, this is critical because if you look at the past Raiders draft classes, even the biggest critics say the players are still here. Mm -hmm. Other than Lynn Bowden and mm -hmm. looking at a couple of guys, Cleveland Farrell is a young player. Mm -hmm. Mad Max exceeded his rookie year. He, he'll get going again. And then you look around and Damon Arnett had concussions and mm -hmm. COVID issues. John Abram hasn't played much. They're on the roster. And I think a new coach can save these guys, not with the league in general, but with their time with the Raiders. These guys got to get better, and Gus Bradley has to be the answer. Well, well, yeah, he has to be the answer because really the biggest question coming out of last year was what the defense was going to do. They couldn't stop people, they, even when the team had leads. They couldn't stop people, and that was the, the way they broke down in the, the final eight, uh, eight games. The thing is, is that this, is that, you know, you're, we're hoping that Ngakwe is going to be like a, a Bosa was for the Chargers. You, out of this defense, you have got to generate pressure with your front four. Yeah. And, and, and the team that had the most success with rotating as many defensive linemen as the, the, the Raiders have on the roster right now was Philadelphia when they won the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. They were rotating six, seven, eight, eight guys a game, you know, to keep them fresh, to generate pressure. So if you want to play those zone man combinations on the backside, which we, we've seen the charges and those guys do, yeah. you've got to have linebackers that can do what they need to do, get in the right place. More importantly, you've got to have a defensive line that can create a rush. That's important. Yeah, and if you talk to some of the players since Gus has been here, I think the emphasis has been on making sure your mistakes are cleared up in the film room. 
And that's the one area of this defense that we continue to see last year is some of the same mistakes happen over no, and no, over. Absolutely. So, again, you're talking, we're talking about development. We're talking about being accountable. And I think that's one of the things if you, you know, we were fortunate enough to hear uh, Gus Bradley's first meeting, and he's talking about accountability. Mm-hmm. He's talking about making sure, you know, you're accountable to yourself and to your teammates. That's really important because these former draft picks, if they pop, under Gus Bradley, then you have a completely different defense. Yes. Right. Now you have the defense that you thought would be up to speed as we bring in Vinny Bonsignor from the Las Vegas Review-Journal and Raider Nation Radio. Uh, Vinny, great to talk to you. I want to jump in on the Aaron Rodgers rumor right out of the gate. You have sources throughout the league. This is a blockbuster breaking news story that he wants out of Green Bay. What are you hearing? Well, uh, I think that, uh, by the way, hello, Lincoln. Uh, hey, how are you doing, my, my friend? <laughs> <laughs> nice, to, nice to hear you uh, on the radio. Um, yeah, you know, uh, obviously, look, this goes back a few years, um, let alone last draft uh, when the Packers basically said that they were um, identifying Aaron Rodgers' successor in drafting Jordan Love. You don't draft a quarterback in the first round uh, and with the intentions of just sitting him for the next Five years. They drafted Jordan Love last year with the intentions of playing him at some point. And if you're Aaron Rodgers, you're going, okay, um, what's the deal here? Uh, where's this headed? Obviously, you're going to play him when? You play him this year, you play him next year. Uh, you're not going to just sit him. And so, from Aaron Rodgers' perspective, he's been trying to get clarity on what the deal is. Uh, what's the future? What's my future here? What's Jordan Love's future here? Uh, I don't care if that's the guy that you want to play. Fine, let me know. And let's get this rolling here. And whatever meetings he's had with the, uh, with the Packers over these last couple of months, uh, trying to seek clarity, trying to get you know, some sort of direction from them, uh, he, he hasn't, whatever he was wanted to hear, he hasn't heard from the Packers. Uh, so he's pushed his chips to the middle of the table. He pushed that DEFCON 1 button today. Uh, it's clear that he wants out uh, to the point where someone from his camp is already leaking who he wants to be traded to. So where does this go? Uh, hard to figure out. There's... There's uh, reasons why for the Packers it doesn't make any sense to trade Aaron Rodgers uh, right now, above and beyond the fact that he gives them the best chance to winning. It is a huge $38 million cap hit that they would absorb if they traded him today as opposed to June 1st. And even after June 1st, if they traded him, it's still a $21 million cap hit. This year, a $16 million cap hit next year. Uh, and you know a minimal cap savings uh, this year. So there's financial implications that make it really difficult for the Packers uh, to trade him. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he, I'm sure he understands all that, but he's basically said, hey, man, I don't want to come back, and these are the teams I want to get traded to, and he's made that loud and clear through his people. So where it goes from here, it's hard to see when it gets to this point, it getting reeled back somehow. Uh, I think that Aaron Rodgers is on his way out of Green Bay. Before we get to the Raiders' drafts and their need at 17, with what you reported on this entire offseason with Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson expressing interest in Las Vegas if he was on the move, and now Aaron Rodgers available, what do you think the level of interest is for John Gruden? And you reported on Derek Carr's cap hit and what Derek Carr looks like going forward. He's the quarterback of the Silver and Black on draft night. Are you confident he'll be here for years to come? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, I, I, it's hard for me to see a trade happening. Uh, I think the, the cost is going to be you know, astronomical from the Raiders' perspective. But the Raiders are definitely going to kick their tires. They have to. Aaron Rodgers has made it clear through somebody in his camp that he wouldn't mind playing for the Raiders. 
you can't not look into that. And I go back years ago covering the Los Angeles Lakers with Mitch Kupchak, their general manager, every year on the night of free agency, when Michael Jordan was playing on one-year deals, every single year he would make a call at midnight, the stroke of midnight, to Michael Jordan's agent to find out, hey, would you want to sign here with the Lakers? And I remember him telling me this, and I was like, he's never going to play for you. He's like, I know. But I don't want to run into Michael Jordan 10 years down the line at a party or at an old-timers event and Michael Jordan come up to me at the bar and say, hey, Mitch, I always wanted to play for you. Why didn't you ever call my agent to find out? So if you're the Raiders and Aaron Rodgers through somebody – has made it fairly clear that the Raiders are a team that he would want to play for, you're on that phone finding out, and the Raiders will do that. I guarantee you they will look into it. They will weigh their options. They will try to figure it out because you have to. It's, if you don't, when somebody like Aaron Rodgers is saying that he, he would like to come here, if you don't do your due diligence, you're not doing your job, and I can assure you the Raiders are doing their job. Vinny, the guys were kind of ribbing me earlier about my first pick uh, in the draft, and I said they need to go defense rather than offensive tackle. What do you think the Raiders do at 17? I'm with you. Uh, now, it depends on who's on the board, but if, if a player like Micah Parsons is there at 17, you have to, get, you have to, you have to go get him. I know that there's some red flags uh, on him. Uh, from what I've heard uh, from people that I've talked to in the league, they think they're more yellow flags than red flags. Uh, of course, we're not privy to all the information. If those flags are burning red, then maybe you steer clear from him. But if they are yellow flags, if they are manageable issues, a guy like Micah Parsons changes the dynamic of your defense. And you guys were just talking about the defense uh, and Gus Bradley. They need to get star caliber uh, game-changing players on defense. This is like, think about when Randy Moss slipped in the draft and went all the way to, what, 2021 uh, to the Minnesota Vikings. He was a top-five player. There were some issues off the field. Uh, the Vikings lucked out and got a Hall of Fame player at a you know tw at, at, at pick 21. If you're the Raiders, you're not going to have access to a guy this talented. He's a top five caliber player in this draft. He's the best defensive player in this draft. You don't get often a chance to draft that caliber of player at 17. I understand there's issues, but he changes the complex of that defense. So if he's there, that's where I would go. And there's a couple of other defensive players. Uh, that I would look to as well. Now, if Micah Parsons isn't there, if one of the great cornerbacks isn't there, then maybe you circle back to, to offensive tackle. Christian Derrissaw from Virginia Tech, to me, is that second, third best tackle in, in this draft. If he's there and Michael Parsons isn't there, I do think you go in that direction. It wouldn't be a reach. Yes, it would be drafting for a position of need, but you don't have to explain yourself drafting a Christian Derrissaw. You don't have to say, well... You know, we may have reached a little bit for Christian Derrissa uh, because we needed it. He's he he arguably could be the best player at number seventeen if some of those defensive star maker star players are are off the board. Yeah, Vinny, how about uh, how has free agency comp uh, helped uh, this football team making these decisions today uh, in the draft? Well, I think it's you know kind of narrowed some of the choices, some of the decisions down. Um, obviously, uh, there's an opening at free safety. Uh, obviously, right tackle uh, after trading Trent Brown is an opening, but you know it seems like they've 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 reduced the major needs to a very manageable number. And this draft is deep enough in both tackle and free safety that you could probably go get somebody that can start for you day one. Um, you know uh, whether it's in the second round or the third round, so it's it's kind of reduced the urgency. Uh, but you know, if, if one of those star player defensive players isn't on the board, you could definitely see definitely see a path where, you know, they draft that tackle in the first round, whether it's Derrissaw, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State, 
and then circle back to a Richie Grant or uh, Javon Holland from from Oregon. Those are the you know two safeties that kind of figure right around right around that mix. If if the Raiders walk away with you know a Christian Derrissaw, let's say, and uh, a Richie Grant in the second round, those, that's a pretty good first couple of picks for them that address big needs. But I keep going Vinny, back to this. If Vinny, Michael back, Parsons is there, you take him. Well, do you think Richie is a lot like? The guy we already have in, in Jonathan. I mean, breaking down this film, he's a he's a great effort guy. He's in the middle of the field a lot. You don't see a tremendous amount of tape on him playing that post safety. So, I mean, if you're going to get someone at the safety spot, wouldn't you want to get someone who's going to compliment Jonathan? I, you know, I agree uh, to an extent. Um, and that's kind of why I prefer Javon Holland a little bit more uh, from Oregon. I think he's a cover guy. He can play zone cover, man cover. Uh, deep safety. He has played in the slot. We've seen a lot of t- uh, yeah. situations where safeties come down in the line of scrimmage to defend off of the slot. So that's that. That would be my preference. But uh, I will say this: uh, I was in Mobile, Alabama, for the Senior Bowl, and they put Richie Grant everywhere uh, yeah. out there. I know it's just the Senior Bowl and his practice, but you guys know how they put guys through situations that you're going to see in the NFL. For sure, I think he, that's a really good he looked, barometer. Yeah, he looked tremendous in coverage in every spot that they put him in. And a lot of it was uh, dropping him uh, back to that deep safety uh, just to get a look at him there. Uh, but I, I think that he translates uh, as far as a deep safety. So um, uh, I believe for that reason, after seeing it myself, I guess, uh, I think that he can make that transition. We're wrapping it up with Vinny Bonson, your Las Vegas Review Journal, Raider Nation Radio. Vinny, I'm looking at the depth on the defensive line with Yannick Ngakwe, Solomon Thomas, Cleland, Max Hankins, David Irving, Quentin Jefferson, who makes the team? I mean, what's going on here? There's so much of a rotation that you can have. What are your sources telling you within the organization on the level of competition up front that could maybe do a better job than what we saw last year? Because I can't see this many defensive linemen making the final 53 along with everything else they want to do tonight in the draft on defense. Not only that, but uh, there's a scenario where they can maybe even draft you know, Christian Barmore from, uh, from, from Alabama. And you add another body uh, into the interior of that defensive line. Uh, look, you know, going all the way back to last year, even at their high water point at six and three, just touching in with people that I know in the building, um, they weren't patting themselves on the back on their back at six and three. They they understood. In fact, consistently, the feedback to me is we have so much work to do. You know, and 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 really where they kept pointing throughout the season. I don't care whether they were six and three or you know seven and eight. It was got to figure out a way to get more pressure on the quarterback. Got to help this defensive line, which would help everything else on the defense. So it's, I think, between them understanding that and the self-awareness of that and Gus Bradley coming in and I'm sure pounding the, the table for it, they really did a good job, I thought, uh, of, of addressing the defensive line, whether it's you know, in, you know, in Gakwe, uh, the, all the names that you just mentioned, Solomon Thomas, Quinton Jefferson, um, you, keep an eye on Darius Phylon. Yeah. They feel like they have a sleeper in Darius Phylon, a guy that is itching to get back on the field after some off-field issues uh, derailed his career the last few years. You go back and look what he did with the Chargers, with Gus Bradley there. This was a productive player. He's not a star player, but he's a guy that you can plug in there with an expectation that he's going to you know, play better. And so uh, having said all that, the feedback that I get from Henderson is that they, they feel a lot better, not just about the front, Four, but also just the, the the front seven. When you put that defensive line now and every all those names that you just named, the goal is, and keep in mind, it's a 17-game season uh, next year. I know it's just one more game, but 
Eric, uh, Lincoln, you guys both know when you get to December, it's 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 like you're struggling to get through the season uh, with with injuries, fatigue, all of that. So you add another game to that, it 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 changes it big time. So what the Raiders wanted to do is create as much depth as possible, not just to get them through individual games so that come the fourth quarter, you've got fresh guys out there that are, you know, in a better position to make plays just from a physical standpoint, but through a 17-game season. And if you're the Raiders, you're thinking beyond 17 games to the playoffs. So with depth, they want competition, production, being able to take a Clee Farrell off the field, take a Max Crosby or Yannick Ngakwe off the field, and be able to have guys that come in that deliver positive snaps, efficient snaps, so that you're not just losing your star player, your 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 your, your first string player, uh, and there's not a big huge drop off, but you're able to do that comfortably and keep those guys on the sideline a little bit longer because you're getting production from their backups. It all has to happen on the field. Obviously, this is all still on paper, uh, but they like what they've done with that defensive line, and and if those guys pan out, it's going to be a huge help for this defense. Vinny, in a minute, let us know. Do you sense with the chaos that could ensue early on with potential trades? Do you think that Mayock stays strong at 17? Is there a chance if Parsons gets past the Giants at 11 that the Raiders could move up? What are you hearing about their draft equity in years to come now after the Mac deal, Amari Cooper, that the Raiders could take a chance and move up quickly to get the player they want at 17? Yeah, and that's where a couple of the trades that they've made, um, you know, with Gabe Jackson and Rodney Hudson and, and those type of deals helps out because they were able to get – uh, some extra draft capital. Uh, they've got two two third round picks. So, if they are if they are infatuated with Micah Parsons, and I do believe that there's a sincere interest on their part for Micah Parsons, uh, you know, you'd hate to be in a position where if he does fall to that 11, 12 spot, you know, and it wouldn't take a whole lot to move from 17 to 12. You'd hate to be left out in the cold by not being bold, by not being aggressive, to trade up uh, to go get him and then lose out on him because Denver takes him or New England takes him, you know, right ahead of you. So I, I definitely could see a scenario where whether it's Michael Parsons or maybe one or two other players that, uh, that might have been on their original draft board, top 10, top 6, top 7 players, and all of a sudden right around at that 10, 11, 12 mark where they go, you know what, we're not going to wait. Uh, we're not going to lose out on this great player by not being aggressive, by not being bold. We'll do what it takes to go up there and get him. So I, I, I would not rule out uh, a trade back whatsoever. Thanks, Vinny. We'll look for your reporting throughout the draft. Thanks for the time. All right, you too. Take care, Lincoln and Eric. See you, Vinny. All right, my man. There he is, Vinny Bonsignor. Does a great job yeah. covering the beat also nationally. He does an unbelievable job, has a lot of sources. When we come back on the Raiders pre-draft show, Lincoln Kennedy will tell us about the right tackle availability. What could the Raiders do at 17 if their first and second choice is not available at right tackle? Who's next on the depth chart of Lincoln Kennedy? As we continue, we're live inside the facility in Henderson. I think it's a pretty historic night as we're ready for the Raiders draft in Las Vegas on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Raiders pre-draft special continues with JT the Brick and Lincoln Kennedy live from Raiders headquarters. 
you're trying to set yourself up for, in the draft so that you can uh, you can pl- take the best player you can take. And uh, we're very aware of our needs. And uh, obviously, when the needs fit up with where you are in the draft board, that's awesome. And when they don't, you got to be a little careful. That's Mike Mayock, JT, back with you, along with Eric Allen and Lincoln Kennedy. We're live at Raiders headquarters in Henderson, the Raiders pre-draft show, taking you up to the draft and the feed at 5 o'clock. Let's quickly move to the top of the hour, and Lincoln Kennedy, this is a big pick. I'll go the other side of you. I don't know if Parsons is going to be available. If he is, that's the guy I want to see the Raiders have. That's the player for me. But if that's not the case, they got to get a right tackle. And I don't think that... Slater will be there, but maybe Darashaw, Tevin Jenkins. How do you see the depth at right tackle? Well, I think this offensive line class coming out is incredibly deep at both guard and tackle. But I agree with you, they have to address the tackle position. Now, the reason why I said at the top of the show I think they should go defense because I think there's a pressing need on the defensive side of the ball to have an impact player. Okay, and, they can, and there's there's some good guys available. But if they're, the guy that they really like isn't there, then they can certainly address it. The thing is, is that they have to get the right tackle right. They have to get it right. They failed when they drafted Parker and wanted to put him opposite Colt Miller. Just never developed. It happens. Trent Brown was what it was, but it was it was a free agent disaster, paying them all that money for getting little in return. So you have to move on. But you now that you've established your 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 left tackle and Colt Miller taking care of him, you've got to address the right tackle because that's the most blaring position on this offensive line to me. But don't you have to get that right tackle in the first round? No. Or it's a developmental player that will hear the story that it's going to take a year or two for him to develop if he's a second or third round pick. One thing I know about this offense, Gruden's offense, is that you can protect your tackles. With tight ends, with chips, you can help them out. You, and and to Coach Cable's done a marvelous job at developing guys or getting them into playing time. You saw what he was able to do with the shuffle last year. So I think there's an extent where you can protect him. It's not necessarily development, but I think this tackle class, you know, I talked about came in, uh, the guy from Clemson. We're talking about pedigree. Yeah. Coaching, you know, uh, Jackson Carmen, you know, a lot of scouts have him suited at guard. He played left tackle, did a good job against Notre Dame, played played well this past season. But I can you can move him in the right tackle and protect him because you're going to have a tight end over there to help. Very interesting. So you think the double tight end set and chipping with the running back could kind of get you Absolutely. a year of developing Absolutely. a player like and that. Absolutely, and protect it. I mean, because this offense is, is really simple, there's not a whole lot of thinking for you. All you have to do is go out there and execute. They'll put you in position. Derek Carr doesn't like to hold on the ball, whether he's taking the check down or whatever. So it's not like you have to set up for a whole lot of, you know, I need a lot of time. You know, you need someone who's good versus edge rushers. So there are a lot of tackles who have shown that ability both in the senior bowl and what we've seen throughout last year. So you, I, I definitely think you need to address that. What about, and we talked about this yesterday, as about I, I, when you look at Coach Cable, done a really good job right. of getting those guys ready and prepared to play last year. I think it was only just three snaps that mm-hmm. the projected starting offensive line played together. Mm-hmm. Three snaps, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but you're talking about development, but you're talking about – when we start to look at the Raiders' offensive linemen, we're talking about measurables. And right. we were talking about this yesterday. You know, if Guy has a long arm, he's, he's better in the Raiders' situation yes. uh, than he would be in another situation. Why point. is that so important, it seems, with Tom Cable? Versus edge rushers. It's versus edge rushers. Guys like Khalil Mack, Von Miller, just like Derek Thomas was in it, they can turn the corner so low. And you're talking about your big tackles. I'm 6'7". Okay, have to have long arms to be able to reach down and bend it, bend down and get those guys. If you have short arms, they're getting in your body too fast. They're too quick, 
in that little phone booth, you got to keep them at arm's length. So that, that's why that's why it's a, that that reach is so important. Unbelievable analysis by Lincoln Kennedy and Eric Allen. Hour number two of the show is coming up. We'll get into more of the first round and how it projects what happened today. Aaron Rodgers wants out with the Packers. How could that affect the draft board? What's going to happen before the Raiders select at number 17? Could the Raiders trade back? Might they go up or do they just hold Pat? And who will the player be? Big hour coming up next live from the facility here. As we are rolling today on an historic, and I mean an historic night, to be here for the draft. And we're brought to you by Modelo, a taste that's pure gold. Modelo, brewed for those with a fighting spirit. Raider Nation Radio.